0: My man, Jason Reed, where are you at right now?
1: I am sitting in the uh, press box, Clinton, at Highmark Stadium in beautiful Orchard Park, New York.
0: We just watched another one in the long line of classics between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. This one was in Buffalo. What was the scene like out there? I saw snowballs flying. It looked pretty cold.
1: Yeah, Clinton, you know, this was um, this was really, really when it comes to like playoff football, you know, at this at this round of playoff football, as big as it gets, stadium was packed. People were here. You know, four, five, six, seven hours before the game. Uh, you know, Bills Mafia, the Bills fans, they they were jumping on those on those tables that were lit a fire. Um, the Bills really felt that this was going to be their year with the with the Chiefs having to come here. And I, I mean, this was really devastating for them.
0: All right, let's get through this because I know you've got some writing to finish before the night is out. And I know you're not rolling around like Jason Kelsey with no shirt on, but are your fingers frozen
1: stiff or what? Yeah, listen, the the, the windows in the press box are sealed. But but it, when you sit in the front row of the press box, Clinton, it's still cold here. People have their jackets on. People have hats on. It's still cold.
0: Wide right. Some of the worst words in Buffalo Bills history. The matchups are set as the divisional round of the playoffs fades off into the rearview mirror, leaving us with our NFL Final Four. The Ravens, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Lions all vying for a shot and heading to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. But first, ESPN senior NFL writer Jason Reed explains how they got there through the divisional round. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Monday, January 22nd. This is ESPN Daily. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. This Bills-Chiefs game lived up to expectations. We had five lead changes. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen doing what they do best in a game that came down to a missed field goal off the foot of Tyler Bass. It ended in a 27-24 Kansas City win. What is it about this rivalry that always hits the mark, Jason?
1: Well, you know, Clinton, it starts with great quarterbacks. I mean, you've got Patrick Mahomes who's the best player in the league. He's not going to win the MVP award this year. That's going to go to Lamar Jackson. But he's the best player in the league. You have Josh Allen, who is just a complete monster. Uh, I mean, you know, you talk about quarterback play. That's what it's all about in the NFL. And it starts with these two phenomenal quarterbacks who are on the field here tonight again.
0: You told us last week, Jason, the Chiefs weren't going to run away with this and they weren't going to put up 40 points. Their path to victory was to get it into the 20s, play great defense and rely on their kicker and have Mahomes do just enough. Is what you saw tonight what you envisioned?
1: Yeah, totally. I I mean, look, Clinton, I didn't know who was going to win the game. I'm never good with predicting those types of things. But I thought that, like you said, that if if Kansas City did the things we talked about last week, I thought they had a chance. The thing is, is that the Kansas City wide receivers, Clinton, as you know, have really struggled this year. But Marquez Valdez-Scanling had his best game of the season.
0: on first down.
1: Mahomes going with a long ball. What a catch! M.V.S. this time has it. Travis Kelsey stepped up. They're going to throw a tight end screen left to Kelsey. Trying to angle to the far pylon. Stretching out. Does he have it? Does he have it? It's a touchdown. (laughs) Kansas City. And it breaks the record as Kelsey able to get his elbow touching the pylon on the far front side. The the offense was crisp. They ran the ball. And if McCole Hardman doesn't fumble that ball late in the game going into the end zone, the Chiefs win by double digits.
0: There was also a sequence that happened early in the fourth quarter that I think kind of captures the emotional swings of this rivalry really well. The Bills attempted a fake punt on fourth and five from their own 30-yard line and came up short, handing the ball back to Kansas City. A few plays later, that McCall hardman fumble that you just indicated out of the back of the end zone from the two, it gave them a second life. What was the emotional swing like in the building
1: at that moment? Well, I can tell you, Clinton, from watching the crowd when uh, McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, went for that fake punt deep in, in the in the Bills end of the field, you could see just on the faces of people, people were closing their eyes. You could see that they were just, mouths were agape. People were hanging their heads like, dude, what are you thinking? And, you know, it, it looked like the Chiefs were going to go right in. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, the Chiefs' uh, young running back, he rips off a nice run. They get down to, like, the one-yard line, a couple, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact yard line, but they got really close and, McCole Hardman is going in and he fumbles the ball out of bounds or through the end zone, rather. And, you know, the, the uh, Bills got the ball back. So it was a it was a wild emotional swing. And the Bills fans at one minute were like, you know, probably cussing McDermott, like, what are you thinking? Then they're thinking, OK, we get a break. But it didn't turn out in their favor in the end.
0: Neither one of these teams has looked like the teams we've expected at times this season. But this might have been the most Chiefs-like we've seen Kansas City look this year. If this is the team heading down to Baltimore next week, what are you expecting to see in that matchup against the Ravens?
1: Well, no, Clinton, you know, you just nailed it. This was the most Chiefs team we've seen at any point this season in terms of those Chiefs teams that we think about. Really crisp on offense, you know, The defense, they had several starters out tonight. Guys were banged up. Uh, A couple guys got hurt during the game and and had to leave. But overall, this is as much of a Chiefs team with the way we're used to seeing them play. And I'll tell you what, Clinton, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in this league. I mean, I want to make that clear. But if Patrick Mahomes can keep this group playing the way they played tonight, they've got a shot in Baltimore next week.
0: All right, we'll dig into the results of the Ravens-Texans game in a bit. I'm sure you know by now, everybody, that Baltimore will be hosting the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, but first, on to Detroit. Jason, the state of Michigan is having its greatest sports year since the Pistons and the Tigers were relevant. The Lions punched their ticket to the NFC Championship game with a 31-23 victory over the Bucs. What is there to say about this team and this town at this moment, Jason?
1: Clinton, look, as anybody who follows the NFL knows, Detroit's been one of the teams that has really been down for a very, very long time. You talk about Detroit, you talk about Washington. Well, Detroit is now, has risen up. Dan Campbell, the head coach, Brad Holmes, the GM, have done just such a wonderful job of building this program. And you see what they did today. Jared Goff, you know, he, he, he comes over in the, in, in the trade for Matthew Stafford. He's got them into the NFC championship game. You know, they, the, they, they've got young talent all over offense. They've got young talent on defense. And you look at it, Clinton, and it's like, It's really one of those great stories, even if if you're not a fan of the Lions or, you know, you don't live in that part of the country. You can root for this team that has been out of it for so long. And now they are a force in the NFL. That culture that Dan Kimball's created in this Lions team, it's hard
0: not to think about that opening press conference, three year anniversary of which is Sunday. But I don't want to focus on all that kneecap stuff, but rather how he ended on that quote.
1: Before long, where are they going to be the last one standing? All right, that's going to be the mentality.
0: It is really hard to watch this team and not see that mentality at play. And also, what is it like seeing a guy who first was looked at as somewhat ridiculous getting to a point of
1: utmost respectability? I'm going to be very candid with you. For full disclosure, when he made the comments about biting off the kneecaps and chewing off the ears, I was like, are you serious? They hired this guy but you know what? You, you, you have to give people an opportunity. And what this guy has shown Clinton is that he is one hell of a head coach. <laughs> I mean, not just from the standpoint that, yes, he has instilled, he instilled toughness and all that, but he's a player's coach. These guys love to play for him. And, you know, you see some of the scenes in their locker room at, at the end of games, at the end of victories, and this guy really has shown that he is one of those people in this league who's going to be doing that job for a very long time at a very high level.
0: Jared Goff leading this Lions team to the NFC Championship joins a short list of QBs to take two teams to the championship round this century. Goff was nearly perfect in the fourth quarter on Sunday. 11-12 for 131 yards and a touchdown. How does he lead this offense so effectively, especially heading into San Francisco next week?
1: Well, here's the thing, Clinton. He's a guy who, you know, and you, and you know this, you know, being out in L.A. Yeah. You know, he was he was run out of L.A. with the Rams. Uh, they they didn't think he could be the guy to get to to win a Super Bowl. He got to a Super Bowl once, but they didn't, they didn't think he could be a guy to win a Super Bowl. But sometimes, Clinton, people need second chances to show what they really have inside of them. And yeah, he could he has a good arm, and he can make the throws, and he's smart. But I think one of the things about him and that team, and it's something Dan Campbell said after their first playoff victory, is like, hey, man, you're good enough to play in Detroit. And when people believe in you, sometimes that's enough to really get you to that point where you can be the person some people thought you could be all along. The Bucs
0: didn't go quietly in this one. They pressured the Lions and golf all day. They struggled through several injuries on defense during the game. What do you think, though, the plan is moving forward for Todd Bowles, Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and that group down in Tampa.
1: Well, you know, Clinton, first of all, you know, Mike Evans, who's a fabulous receiver, is he going to come back? Um, there's a question there. I mean, he'll be a free agent. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he showed a lot this year, Clinton. I mean, you know, a former number one overall pick kind of, you know, was cast aside in Cleveland. You weren't sure, you know, what he was going to be moving forward in his career. But look, he he showed a lot this year. They, they won the division, granted it was 9-8 and eight, but they won the division, they blew out that, that Eagles team that, let's face it was was just reeling for, for a month and a half, but they gotta get their run game going their they, running game just, the last two years has just not been good enough um, and when you think about what they're gonna be, that division there's so many questions about that division I think they'll have a, they'll, I think they'll have a chance to be in that mix to win the division again, but how far does that take them? Coming
0: up, we head out to a rainy Levi Stadium where the one-seed 49ers hosted the upstart Green Bay Packers. Delicious, meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Jason, you were good enough to chat with us before heading out into the snow in Buffalo, so right now you are warm and toasty in your hotel room. So before you head to the stadium, what was your reaction to what we saw on Saturday?
1: Well, Clinton, I mean, the divisional round, this is what it's about. Lamar Jackson leading the Baltimore Ravens to a blowout victory over the Texans. He's going to be the MVP this year. He should be the MVP. And he played the way you would expect an MVP to play with what's on the line right now.
0: Jackson keeps Stanley in front of him. Touchdown, Lamar.
1: We move to the later game that you know the Niners against the Packers. Look, Jordan Love, he played a great game, made a big mistake at the end of the game.
0: Love out of the shotgun, deep drop, pressure gets chased out to his right, will throw on the run back middle. It is intercepted. Go down, Dre Greenlaw running back the other way. Big play, Dre goes down. Green Bay has two timeouts left, but the 49ers have the
1: football. But Clinton, if Anders Carlson the packers place kicker makes two very makeable field goals the packers are in the title game right now waiting for the snap here it is placement made kick to the upright and he hooked it to the left it is oh, no good no. and the packers have given the niners
0: hope loved what lamar said at halftime
1: Lamar, can you I'm describe you curve
0: dealing what was said at halftime It'd be inappropriate if I say it right here. (laughs) There was a whole lot of cussing and it came from him. That's what I look for in a leader. All right, let's jump in to Packers Niners. A rainy Levi stadium was where the 49ers' Christian McCaffrey scored on a six-yard run with about a minute left in the game, helping San Francisco escape with a 24-21 victory over the Packers. He takes it, hands off to McCaffrey off the left side, breaks a tackle, touchdown! San Francisco! Take me into that final drive, Jason. The Niners, they got it done. What'd you see?
1: Well, couldn't look. A lot of people talk about Brock Purdy not being a superstar quarterback. He has superstar playmakers and a superstar offensive line and a superstar defense. And they say that he's really just a game manager. Well, look, he got it done. He was—he didn't have his greatest game up until that point. But on that final drive, we had to distribute the ball and then hand it to Christian McCaffrey to get that ball in the end zone. He did what he needed to do. On that final drive, executed, played very well.
0: We have too many good players, man, on this team. So many players that are difference makers and we got a great defense and so for us to not find a way um just wasn't it's not right so um for us to finally have a game like this and, and pull through at the end was, was huge for all of us. So but let's be clear. It was a slog for much of the day for the Niners. Debo Samuel left the game early with a shoulder injury and didn't return. Brock Purdy struggled a little bit with his accuracy in the rain. He had the glove non-glove situation going on and the Packers were ready defensively. Why did the NFC's one seed have so much trouble?
1: Well, Look, Jordan Love is an outstanding quarterback. I mean, when you talk about the rising quarterbacks in this game, beginning from Week Eleven until last night's game, he had thrown twenty-one touchdown passes, only one interception. You have a young team in the Packers who, look, they're playing. You know, as as the uh, phrase goes, playing with house money. And look, it was a it was a tough game from a weather condition standpoint. You mentioned Purdy. You know, with gripping the ball. But I think the main thing was the Packers are a very good football team and they weren't just going to roll over. They've been in playoff mode for some time now because they had to be in playoff mode to even get in the playoffs. They had that blowout victory over Dallas. And this is a good team that, again, if the Packers get, get two field goals, makeable field goals from their place kicker, what we're talking about is how the number one seeded team in the NFC is gone.
0: You mentioned the blowout win against the Cowboys. Jordan Love of the Packers was hot throughout the first part of the game. First six possessions against the Niners, 15 for 22 for 168 yards, two TDs, no picks, and a 120.3 rating. The last four possessions, six for 12 for 30 yards, no TDs, two picks, and a 16.7 rating. That is rough. What do you think the Niners did to adjust
1: and stay in this? Well, look, the Niners have one of the best defenses in the league, obviously, at, at each level, and I think when you talk about the adjustments that were made, they did a much better job at, you know, in the second half of sticking with receivers. They, they got good pressure on Love, and look, he's very mobile and he can do a lot of things, but in addition to the strategic things, look, Clinton, as you know, divisional round gets later in the game, yeah. more pressure is mounting, and... Jordan Love actually did enough good things for them to win the game if he got the help from the place kicker, but he didn't do enough to win the game with no help from the place kicker. And I give I attribute a lot of that to San Francisco, San Francisco playing better defense in the second half.
0: Okay, let's get back to the Niners. There's been a good deal of criticism thrown Purdy's way, people insisting that he's a game manager, his situation is greater than his abilities, but when it was crunch time, he was able to lead the team to success. How do you think his performance on that final drive will shape the narrative overall of what we think of Mr. Irrelevant going into the NFC Championship game?
1: Well, Clinton, in in this league, if you're a quarterback, you're judged on what you do at this time of the year. If If your team is fortunate enough to get into this position, the great quarterbacks in this league lead their teams to Super Bowls. I mean, that's just the way it is. There are other criteria, and that's not always fair because there's a lot of factors that go into whether or not a team reaches Super Bowl. But quarterbacks get an outsized share of the credit and the blame at this time of the year, really all the time, but especially at this time of the year. I think when you look at what Purdy did, the narrative moving forward, Clintons, and be like, hey, he got it done in a big time in the playoffs. Now, the 49ers have several tests coming up, you know, starting with this NFC championship game. So, I mean, it's not like the narrative is fully formed yet, but hey, it's a pretty good start.
0: He was 6 for 7 for 47 yards with two carries for 11 yards on that final game-winning drive. Before that, he was 17 for 32 with 205 yards. That dude stepped up. Okay, let us move to Houston versus Baltimore. So the first team that punched its ticket into the championship round was the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Houston Texans 34 to 10, but that score isn't really indicative of how close this game was, particularly in the first half. How did things look from your
1: view? Well, in the first half, the Ravens did not play as well as the Ravens were capable of playing. I mean, Clinton, you know what this team can do when, when they're on top of their game when offensively and defensively. Yeah. But at halftime, you could tell that they came out and they were so angry at themselves. I think everybody's just kind of a little, little edgy. You know, we all, we're all all a little edgy. I mean, we're excited for the opportunity, but we're, we're edgy and we're mad. You know, we got a lot to prove. And
0: I felt that was kind of the feeling in the locker room at the game. And everybody just kind of just took a deep breath and said, all right.
1: You know, it's it's zero to zero. Gave up a big punt return. It's our game to go win. We got to go take it. Look, I felt bad for the Texans because I I thought to myself, when I saw how the the Ravens came out, I knew this game was going to be a blowout, and it actually wound up being a blowout. The Texans are an outstanding young team. They got a great young quarterback in C.J. Stroud, but they just weren't a match for the Ravens as determined as the Ravens came out after halftime.
0: There's this narrative that Lamar Jackson needed to perform at a high level this postseason to truly confirm that he was on a new level. He's had a little bit of a history of struggling in playoff games. And early on, he was not that sharp. He was blitzed on 69% of his dropbacks, which is a career high. First half, five for nine for 41 yards in the air and three sacks. Second half, seven of eight, 64 yards in the air and zero sacks. How did Houston contain him? And
1: ultimately, how do you think he adjusted Well, I think, you know, D'Amico Ryan's the head coach of the Houston Texans. He's one of the best defensive minds in the league. He was the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator last year. The guy is just outstanding. And they did a good job, especially with the blitz. I mean, D'Amico Ryan blitzed a lot, which is not something he does, but he changed up his tendencies. Third down and 11. Out of the shotgun, Jackson in trouble. Still going. Finally brought down by Christian Harris. So they did a very good job with that in the first half. I think in the second half, again, Lamar was not going to lose this playoff game. Lamar knows the chatter. He knows what people say about him. One in three going into this playoffs this year had never won a home playoff game. I really don't care about what people say. You know, I'm I'm trying to win Um, day in, day out. Every time I'm on that field, I'm trying to play to the best of my ability. Those guys just had, you know, had our team number in the past, but... It's a different team, like I've been saying, and we just got to stay locked in on what's ahead of us. As great as D'Amico Ryan's plan was, Lamar Jackson's ability was greater in the end. Okay, C.J. Stroud,
0: the Texans' fantastic rookie quarterback, looked human in a way that he hadn't for much of the season. He was unable to lead his offense to a touchdown on Saturday. What happened with Stroud, and how did the Ravens shut him down?
1: Yeah, Clinton, the Ravens also did the same thing when they played earlier in the year. I mean, this is a guy who should be the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. The Texans hit gold in drafting him. He has been everything that they hoped for and more. But you're talking about a defense that led the league with 60 sacks, had the lowest points against average this season. Force the most turnovers they they just get after it with four guys rushing they don't need to blitz okay they can send four guys and put pressure and just like they did earlier in the season they got pressure on him again in this game which isn't to be unexpected I mean this is a this is a fabulous defense at every level of the defense yeah I know he didn't look great but the future is bright for the Houston Texans
0: Back to Lamar real quick to close this out, Jason. He becomes the first quarterback to ever lead his team in rushing and go to the championship round. He's the first player ever to have a game with two rushing TDs, two passing TDs, 100 yards rushing, and zero picks. You think he's cemented the narrative around him, or is it still on the line next week?
1: No, Clinton, it's still on the line. Look, Lamar Jackson is a fabulous player. He's a superstar. He's going to win most likely his second AP MVP award. So in terms of talent, there's no question. But Clinton, in this league, quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, which Lamar Jackson is, they are judged on Super Bowls. They are judged on leading teams to Super Bowls. Lamar Jackson, to cement his place in NFL history must win a Super Bowl. A lot of people say that's unfair, that no, you know, he, he's already great. There's no question. I agree he's great. He's a massive talent, but quarterbacks are judged in the hardware, and he's got to get one of those Vince Lombardi trophies.
0: Thank you, Jason. Hey, thank you, Clinton. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. we will talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.